Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous to your contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Literally how much sleep that you have affects your tone of voice, how positive your voice sounds to someone else. But even something like empathy, which turns out that if you can decrease your sleep debt, it'll actually increase your empathic response by up to 30%. Like how much empathy do I have for the person that just fell down on the sidewalk and lost their groceries? Like, are you going to have the empathic response and feel that, that emotion with them and go over there and help them? Or are you not? Literally sleep is the fiber of what it means to be human. And when we don't get it, we become less human. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. Over the next few weeks, I'm interviewing thought leaders, scientists, nutritionists, and experts to share tips and tricks for how we can shed the old and step into the new. I hope you join me on the journey. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen me post one of my favorite milks, Hemp and Oat Milk by Good Hemp. It is not only delicious, but I am obsessed in all honesty. It's not only delicious, but the health benefits of hemp are phenomenal and growing hemp is safe for the planet too. Currently, over a quarter of greenhouse emissions come from food, which is extremely worrying for obvious reasons. Good Hemp are on a mission to reverse this though, because they believe all food and drink should be fully sustainable. They like to say, sow and grow more hemp for the planet, eat and drink more hemp for you, because they believe you shouldn't have to compromise on either taste or health. Down at Good Hemp's farm in Devon, they make a whole load of different products from hemp, including plant-based hemp milks, as I just mentioned, protein powders, oils, and CBD, which you can order straight from their website to your door. So do check out this incredible company that is supporting the planet and our health. Head to goodhemp.com. And as mentioned, their oat and hemp milk is extremely good, along with many other products. 
This week, I am speaking to Jeff Khan. He is one of the world's leading sleep specialists. He is the co-founder and CEO at Rise Science and was one of the first to publish research on technology-enabled sleep behavior modification over a decade ago. He has recently completed the largest known study on sleep and real-world job performance, which I find deeply fascinating and something that is not spoken about enough. Jeff's research and work has been read by millions as he continues to further understanding and empower people to live healthier, more successful lives through better sleep and Caucasian health. I am so excited to speak to him about sleep because for me personally, let's be real, nothing feels better than a good night's sleep. What is the favorite quote you return to often and why? So I'll just come to one this morning and that I was listening to, but I think to me, this really like powers a lot of how I operate and think about the world, which is life is short. It's just not very long. And I think it's very easy to get into this mode where, you know, we think that because we were alive yesterday, we're going to be alive tomorrow. And, you know, that tends to be true, but it's, there's a day when that's not true. And so we're all going to end up in the ground. And I think when you have that perspective, it helps you focus on like what actually matters, you know, being a better person, being a better friend, being a better coworker, being a better partner, being a better parent, being a better family member. And so it just puts everything in perspective for me, no matter how kind of crazy life gets. That's really nice. What's a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? I mean, things have been, you know, I've been on this sleep journey for the last 10 years of my life and, you know, started all the way back in undergraduate and engineering school. But I think the lesson for me is, goes back to my first quote, which is like, it's so special to get to, you know, work on a problem that I care deeply about and to be able to help people live slightly better versions of their lives through sleep. I mean, it's just so cool. Like if you were to tell me, you know, 10 years ago that I'd be doing this, I'd be like, wow, that's like, I just feel so fulfilled, but now here I am. And it's still really hard to remind myself of that day in, day out. And just because there's so much, you know, there's business operations, there's all the little stresses of life that get in the way of being able to realize, you know, take a step back, but like, well, life is short and I feel like I'm doing something I really care about. So just trying to enjoy every day as trite as that is, you know, and treat every day like this could be my last is something I'm trying to uh, just hone and think about and have the intention for as much as possible. It's interesting because for someone who cares and works in promoting sleep, your quote, life is short, actually encourages us not to sleep. So the fact that you're a promoter of sleep, but yet saying life is short, but also sleep more feels a bit of a contradiction, no? Yeah. So I think that's the exact mechanic to get more out of life that like when you start to unpack what we know about sleep, that, you know, sleep's like oxygen. If you're not getting enough of it, every aspect of your physiology, every aspect of your cognition, every aspect of your emotion, all of your biological systems start shutting down. So when you are awake, don't you want to be able to enjoy the time you're awake in as high quality and as high resolution as possible? And so I think if you come at it from that view, then it's like, well, what do I need to do so that the time, the minutes I'm awake, I'm like just really, really able to be at my best. Very, very good answer. Um, how do you define happiness? You know, for me, I, I think that the confusion that people have with the concept, and I, I'm not saying academically, and there are people that study happiness academically, and there's sorts of, you know, all ways of 
you know, how happy are you in your life? How happy are you with your life? You know, there's all these sort of academic, I think, important questions to answer about happiness and what we, what it means and how to define it. But I'm not going to go there. I, I think for me, I think about, you know, two components. One is sort of just joy, kind of the experience of feeling positive. And, you know, that's definitely something I care about. But when I think about happiness, it's more like if I were to die tomorrow, would I be content to go? And I think if the answer is yes, usually it's like, I'm pushing myself hard enough. I'm growing enough. I'm active enough in my life that I feel like I could go. And I feel like the times in my life where maybe I haven't been happy, it's like, I'm not growing and I'm experiencing a little bit of death uh, by not growing. So I think just this constant focus on like, how can I get better? How can I experience more? But then finding the balance within it all to say, and guess what? Some days finding balance is about not growing and it's about giving yourself time to step back and taking time to fully unplug. So let's dive into sleep. And yep. I just want to start off very simple. Why is sleep important? And once we've gone through the obvious reasons, I'd love to know maybe some of the surprising ways sleep affects our health. So I, I think just like anything else, sleep is a life choice, right? We can decide to you know, get more of it. We can decide to get less of it. It's a trade-off we have to make every single day. And so the reasons that one might care about sleep, I actually don't think that actually anyone should care about sleep in and of itself. I mean, sometimes it does feel nice to get in bed and be all comfortable. And, but I think you know, we really care about life. And we care about experiencing life. And we care about being healthy and happy. And so if that's what you care about, then sleep becomes the most powerful tool in your tool chest to achieve that outcome. And so literally, there's not an outcome that we know of, you know, emotionally, cognitively, or physiologically, that isn't affected by sleep. And then in terms of the next question, I think is, okay, well, how important is it, you know, relative to meditation, relative to exercise, relative to movement, um, relative to sort of social uh, belonging and, and connection? How much should I prioritize sleep relative to those other categories of things I could be doing to improve my functioning. And my answer there is that just like building a house, the question sort of like, how much should I care about having a kitchen and driveway and air conditioning and like, you know, a bedroom and a bathroom? It's like, we need all that stuff. But before you even get to any of those other areas, you need a foundation to build your house upon. And the only way to sort of do that is starting with sleep. So sleep is uh, the foundation because it affects all of the areas above it in a largely unidirectional way. Meaning, you know, your sleep affects your nutrition uh, in an outsized way where your nutrition does affect sleep, but slightly so compared to how much sleep affects nutrition. Sleep affects, you know, your ability to, you know, exercise and, you know, perform physically at your peak. And exercise does come back and help sleep, but not as much as the other way. And so when you start to think about all of the things that you need to build a house, how you function is very similar and sleep is just that foundation. So my argument would be, you need to max out your investment in sleep first, then start tacking on all of those other areas. So that's, I think, why it's important. And possibly the largest misunderstood aspect of sleep is how is it you get the benefits of sleep? Like, what do you need to do with sleep so that you get the bed? Like, do you need to be taking supplements? Do you need to be taking, you know, things like melatonin and magnesium? Do you need a special mattress? Do you need special pillows? Do you need to like 
get your room quiet and dark? Do you need to be worried about sleep quality? What about REM sleep and deep sleep? You know, like, what do you actually need to do? And so scientists have actually discovered some fascinating, uh, simplifying frameworks of how to think about that, um, that I think is really, really powerful once you understand. Okay, well, let's start off there then in terms of this idea of REM sleep, non-REM sleep, is it the hours before midnight? Are they more important than the hours afterwards? What are your three absolute musts and what are your three absolute avoids when it comes to getting a productive night's sleep? Yeah, so much as you care about functioning the next day, there, there's only really two things that science has shown you should care about. This is called the two-factor model of sleep and wake regulation. Basically what it says is if you care about being awake and alert, there's really only two ways to get it, two factors. The first factor is how sleep deprived you are. And this is known scientifically as sleep debt. And so sleep debt's a measure of how sleep deprived you are. Um, It can build up over the last, there's some research that shows up to 30 days. Our research that we just published shows more like 14 days is what matters, but somewhere between 14 and 30 days of, of your sleep matters relative to how much sleep you need on a nightly basis. We each have a genetic amount of sleep we need. Um, You know, it's just like height or eye color. You know, the average is slightly over eight hours at eight hours and 15 minutes with a 35 minute standard deviation. So um, that's, and if you don't get that amount of need, you build up a little bit of debt and how you function today is actually based on your debt, not based on your sleep quality last night, not based on your REM sleep, not based on your deep sleep. Um, It turns out that your brain is actually optimizing all of those things for you so long as you sort of get out of the way and let you let your sort of body fall into what's known as naturalistic sleep or what, but basically the idea that, you know, your brain is actually optimizing and adapting to get the best sleep possible, given the circumstances. And so we just need to sort of get out of the way of that process. That is so interesting. So if you have, let's say one really bad night's sleep, you're saying don't panic because actually there's nothing worse than you've got something really big on, on let's say Wednesday. And you're like, you prepare and you, you're like, I'm going to get a really good night's sleep so I can perform on Wednesday. And then that Tuesday night's sleep just fucks you over. You get woken up, you, you know, whatever happens, like just, you know, when you just get one of those terrible night's sleeps and then you panic and you're like, this is going to be a disaster. Wednesday is now going to be a disaster. And you're saying don't panic because it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. So, I mean, just this week, like this happened, I had two other um, interviews that I was on, I believe on Wednesday and yesterday. And last night's sleep was great, which we'll talk about in a second. The night before I was really restless, I was up for two hours in the middle of the night. And the night before I was really restless up for two hours in the middle of the night. So like here I was needing to be on and I had two really restless nights and, you know, I built up some sleep debt. Now I knew when I woke up that day that I'd be fine because the previous 14 nights I had done really well. I've been obviously in the rise app. I'm keeping track of my sleep debt and I'm measuring it. So I knew that, and I know that basically if I'm under five hours of sleep debt, my, I feel really good. If I'm over five hours, I start to really focus like, okay, tonight is a night. I'm not going to stay up late. I'm not going to be watching Netflix with my wife, you know, till midnight, you know, I'm, we're going to be more disciplined. But I sort of know that about myself. So even though on Tuesday or on Wednesday, I had a really rough night the night before, I was still only at three and a half hours of sleep debt. So part of the power of sleep debt is as long as you're doing well the last 14 nights, one night, two nights isn't going to affect you. But the opposite is also true. Let's say you've been getting five, six hours a night 
for, you know, the last month, then getting one good night of sleep on the weekend also isn't going to help you very much. It's Mm. progress, but it's not going to, don't expect it to magically change everything that you're doing. So you said you had a very good night's sleep last night. And how did you get that very good night's sleep? So um, as you build up sleep debt, Right, I had two bad nights of sleep. So where I didn't meet my sleep need, I got total sleep time, maybe six hours, both of these nights. So I built up a number of hours of sleep debt. Well, last night, without even having to do anything, I was so much more tired. I had built up something called sleep pressure. That's what sleep scientists call it. Sleep pressure where at night and your brain is actually keeping track of how sleep deprived you are. And so the more sleep deprived you are, the easier it is to fall asleep and stay asleep. Uh, And so that's sort of, you know, we can talk about the things that I do that I'd recommend for everyone to do for, you know, to to stay asleep efficiently and sleep naturalistically. Yes, I would love to hear. I think everybody listening will like, tell us your secrets. (laughs) How on earth do you get a good night's sleep? You know, let me close the conversation on the two factor model and then we'll come back to Mm -hmm. sort of how, you know, getting good night's sleep. So first thing, first factor, sleep debt. The second factor is something called the circadian rhythm. Um, breaking down the actual word, circa is around, Latin for around, dian is Latin for day. So it's, it's referring to the around of a day rhythms that we all have. And it's driven biologically by a part in your brain called the SCN, uh, the suprachiasmatic nucleus. And it's, it's sort of like, you can think about it almost as like a master pacemaker uh, for every cell in your body and how much energy each cell should actually be producing. And so as a result of that biological setup, we actually have very distinct zones through our day. So I'll just walk you through them very quickly so you understand them. The first is when you wake up, you will feel groggy for you know, about an hour and a half. And that grogginess is not based on your sleep quality last night. Um, it is slightly based on your sleep debt, but it's largely based on something called sleep inertia, which is just a scientific phenomenon we all have where it's like a you know, you, you're groggy when you wake up, it's normal. You'll then sort of have this peak of energy uh, in the morning. And this is when you're at your sort of peak of functioning, uh, you know, emotionally, cognitively, physiologically, like everything that you do, you're sort of better in this morning period. So, you know, that's when you should have important things that you need to be on for, that you need to be present for, that you need to be creative for, that you need to, you know, a- anything that matters most, you should, you know, try and put in that time block. Then you actually have in the early afternoon, and we've all felt this, this sort of dip. Really, it's a dip in energy. It doesn't actually have to do with how big of a meal you ate, you know, for lunch. It doesn't have to do with anything like that. It is a circadian controlled phenomenon where you have this dip of energy. That's a great time to like do some meditation, get outside, exercise if you miss it in the morning, take care of more administrative, you know, not as important tasks uh, during that dip. Then you'll actually have a second peak in the evening. And this is, again, just like your morning peak, you're going to be at a huge peak here. So most of us are done with work by this time. So, you know, if you do have work, it's a time where you can get out sort of a second pass of important stuff. You're locked in so you can do a lot of, you know, great work personally. You can connect with family and friends. You're, you're, you're on. Um, and then that time winds down and you go into what's called biological night. Your brain is basically trying to get your body ready for sleep. Now, there are lots of ways that we as uh, humans have interfered with that biological night, um, the probably the biggest enemy uh, to our biological night is light. I would say there's probably a second one, which would be sort of cognitive intensity. So, you know, I'm on my laptop responding to email. I'm doing work. I'm doing intense, heavy work during what's called my biological night. And so what you actually want to do here 
is set up a wind down routine that solves for both of those. So think back for a second to, you know, humans in their early form, basically a couple things were true. You know, we had cool environments, relatively speaking, right? We didn't have heat and the ability to turn on heat on or off. They were dark environments because, you know, we didn't have light. So the sun was down and there was no light pollution. So it was dark, like, you know, when the sun went down, like it was dark, that was it. Uh, and it was quiet. There was no big freeways rushing by you. Maybe you're sleeping near a river. So, you know, you hear the rushing sound of a river, but like, that's really it. So it's cool, dark, quiet. Um, and then sort of pairing that with the wind down routine, which at a high level is sort of two things. One at the beginning of your wind down. So about an hour and a half before you're trying to go to bed, roughly speaking, you can put on these orange glasses that block out blue light, significant amount of peer reviewed evidence behind their efficacy what they do is they block out blue light and they sort of trick your brain into thinking that it's dark outside. The second thing to be thinking about is your sort of, um, you know, cognitive output. So, you know, a lot of us now are working at all sort of all hours with COVID and, you know, it's just, there's not as much a distinction between work and, and home anymore. And so, you know, I'd encourage everyone to basically put the things that are most important, sort of stressful, like let's say it's, you know, taking care of personal finances or personal chores or a work email that's really important. Do it first thing when you start your wind down and get it all done. And again, by the way, your brain's already winding down anyway, so you're not as effective. So just stop it. And then, you know, give yourself that as much of that hour and a half as possible for you. Like go take a hot shower or bath, go enjoy a Netflix show with your orange glasses on, like go do something that you enjoy doing. And that's time for you. And you'll just find that it's much easier to fall asleep, stay asleep. You'll find that you just really enjoy the time. Um, and you know, it's, it's much more in line with our, our biology. And, and so when you work with your biology, like all of a sudden everything starts working and making more sense, but we've kind of like lost track of all of that over the last hundred years. Oh gosh, you explain it so well. We do kind of know that, you know, light and having a dark room is important, but it's amazing how we just need to be told common sense. Like we, need, yeah. we you know, it's just, we, we forget, we forget what it is to be human. Yeah. And so if you do, and, and like, and I'd also encourage you to do it for a week, see how you feel. And then at the end of the week, do the opposite, go back to what you were doing and you'll start to realize just how ridiculous it was the way you were living your life previously. You, you will notice the impacts very, very significantly if you are at all slightly sleepy during the day, you could be so much better off. You have so much that tells me is you have so much sleep debt built up mm. that your life could be significantly better by just getting more sleep. I'd love to talk about emotional health and sleep sure. because obviously you are a real expert when it comes to the stress sleep relationship. How does sleep affect our emotional health? You know, I think there's three big aspects of our functioning. There's emotional functioning, there's cognitive functioning, there's physiological functioning. And, you know, they're definitely related, but on the emotional side, what we know is when you build up sleep debt and you actually image the emotional, the parts of the brain that are responsible for emotional functioning, you basically see that the blood flow to those areas and the connectivity at a brain level start to deteriorate. So what happens as a result of that? And again, that's what I shared at the beginning. When you build up sleep debt, every biological system starts going into fight or flight mode. Right? Because now the body's saying, oh, you're getting less sleep. We don't need you to be emotionally healthy. What we do need is for you to have short-term energy bursts to be able to survive. And so no surprise that, that happens. What happens when we you know, cut our sleep short? We actually feel really good oftentimes in the morning or feel a little bit of a high. 
you get a huge cortisol release, which is the stress hormone. And that cortisol then drives a bunch of blood sugar, uh, which is really important if you need to like, you know, save your life from some sort of physical threat or danger. It is horrible if you're doing that to yourself every day, which is what we've sort of taken on as society. We get a little over six hours of sleep on, on average per night. And so what that's leading to long-term is basically higher rates of every single chronic disease. Mm. And it's because basically what we've done is we've said, we're just trying to put sort of pedal to the metal, you know, just jam our body's sort of uh, focus on fight or flight response. And so, you know, as a result of that, people were dying earlier, we're getting cancers, we're getting dementia earlier, we're having metabolic diseases way earlier and, and at much greater frequency and, and, and rate. So, you know, that's, that's what's going on here. So in terms of sleep and emotional health, basically you build up sleep debt and your likelihood of getting every single, uh, you know, mental disorder that we know of that's been categorized is now much higher. And so it's, it's literally at the root of your emotional health and it is the foundation of it. And not just on the issue side, but like just mental flourishing, literally how much sleep debt you have affects your tone of voice, how positive your voice sounds to someone else. So if you decrease your sleep debt by eight hours, it reduces your negative vocal tone by up to 67%. Literally your vocal tone, like you, I don't need to see anything about you, but your voice is more negative if you, if you basically get seven hours of sleep a night versus eight for a week or like emotional irrationality, you know, if you deprive yourself of sleep, you know, there's a 60% amplification of being much more emotionally reactive. So, you know, your spouse does something that, that would annoy you fine. That's going to happen. But in this case, you're much more reactive because you're sleep deprived and it could be a coworker, but you, the ability, literally the, the biological connection for your brain to be able to not be as reactive just isn't there when you're sleep deprived, the, the neural connection just isn't functioning. So it's like, just do yourself a favor, just get your sleep debt down, you know, but even something like empathy, which turns out that if you can decrease your sleep debt by eight hours, so again, go from eight to seven for eight nights, it'll actually increase your empathic response by up to 30%. Like how much empathy do I have for the person that just fell down on the sidewalk and lost their groceries everywhere? Like, are you going to have the empathic response and feel that, that emotion with them and go over there and help them? Or are you not literally sleep is the fiber of what it means to be human. And when we don't get it, we become less human. I enjoy hearing how scary it is when you don't get <laughs> sleep and I will put your, all your details in the show notes. And I, I now want to move on to talk about your company So tell me about rise because you've done so much for so many people around the world when it comes to sleep and advocating for a healthier lifestyle. How has this all been bundled up in rise? And you obviously been now helping tons of companies be able to yeah. look after their, you know, workforce. Yeah. So, I mean, we've been able to help lots of companies, some of the best athletes in the world and, and athletic teams in the world. And, you know, really what's, what's driving us is this is something that everyone on the planet should be keeping central. And so really our mission is to help people become the best version of themselves and starting with sleep and circadian rhythms. I mean, that's the foundation. That's where it starts. And so there is so much to go do there. And that's what we're focused on today. And, and you know, we want to make that technology available for you know, the three bill start at least with the 3 billion people that have a mobile phone. And that's really what we're trying to build. And so you can download rise today in the app store and the play store. We're uh, taking a lot of the science that's been done and just trying to make it easy for you to apply in your daily life. So we'll help you measure your sleep debt. Obviously we will help you track your sleep. Uh, we'll help you understand and, and know your energy schedule throughout the day and how that's changing day to day. 
We'll help you get the right habits in place using the latest behavioral science. So that's what we're going to keep focused on is just continuing to make that better and better and better so that, you know, people can keep their sleep debt and their circadian rhythm sort of at the forefront of how they live their lives. Um, I would recommend if you get it, it's a free trial. So um, it does cost money. It's $60 a year. I know a lot of people aren't used to paying for apps, but um, if there's an area you should be investing in, this is worth $60. Um, You'll save more than that, probably in the amount of coffee you don't need to drink. But if money is the reason that you can't afford it, you know, send us an email. That should never be the reason you can't. And, you know, just support at risescience.com and and we'll help take care of you. So um, if you can, we're trying to build a business where we can keep doing this and keep distributing it and keep investing in R&D. And so so that, you know, we think it's very important to to build a a strong, sustainable business. Um, So that's the app. And yeah, you can link it with any of your trackers if you have them. If you don't have a tracker, that's fine. We'll track it for you without you having to wear, sync or charge anything. You can at least try it for free. There's no risk. Uh, so feel free to do it and see if this stuff um, you know, starts to make a difference for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Um, I will put a link to the app in the show notes. And where is the best place for people to ask you questions directly? Yeah, so two sources I'd point you to. Um, one is everything we just talked about, at least the big pillars are up on our website, risescience.com. And you can just click our sleep guide and like, we'll, you'll, it'll, it's very in-depth kind of guide around all of this. And then the, the second place is on Twitter. You know, you can just literally DM me or tweet at me and we'll get back, you know, very soon and, and try and do our best to answer the question. Amazing. Well, thank you again for this really informed, passionate. I certainly am going to fully think about my sleep far more after <laughs> listening to you. Um, I couldn't, couldn't have been more just... I don't even, I I don't know whether it's because I need to sleep more because my words aren't coming out very well today. Uh, Yeah. That, so your verbal acuity is massively affected by sleep debt. So like, I've literally seen like when I have high sleep debt and like I'm on a podcast or whatever, like I like can't really find my words as well. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have sleep debt. Well, on that note, guys, I am a walking, talking uh, advert for sleep debt. So (laughs) next podcast will be much better. (laughs) Thank you so much. See ya. Thanks. Thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.